Where is your faith? That's the title of our message today. Where is your faith? The disciples, you can leave it on there. We'll finish it out. The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Wow. Wow. You know, Jesus actually, I believe, created that storm just to teach them about faith. You know, it's, it's really interesting that this didn't happen just one time. It happened again. Like if you read Mark 4, the storm came, and then another, Jesus creates another storm in Mark 6. Like not too long after, uh, he, there's another time that his disciples are in a storm. And, uh, and this time, he's not even in the boat. This time, he comes walking on the water, and he's trying to teach them something. And the disciples are freaked out, and Peter says, hey, can I walk on the waves? Let's look at that. Matthew 14, 27, it says, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they explained. Doesn't it seem like their faith started to grow a little bit? Their faith started to grow. At first, they were like, is God even with us? Is this Jesus? And then Jesus taught them another lesson, and, and, and they're saying, man, he is the father. He's with us. That's got to be a good thing. Good feeling when you know that God is with you. Isn't it a good feeling when you know God's with you? And what God wants to teach us today is faith. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? I think sometimes Jesus can ask me that question when things aren't going like I think they should go. Sometimes as our teacher, he will search your heart And he's looking and he's saying, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Let's pray. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you're the author and finisher of our faith. That when we look to you, when we look to your word, Lord, you speak to us. And you inject faith into our lives. We thank you that today you're going to cause us to come to another level of faith. That we will please you because we know that it's only faith that pleases you. We thank you that you're doing this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, and everybody says, awesome. How many of you, you're uh, you're back in school? You're back in school? Oh, nobody's excited about it. 
How many of you, you were in school and you just automatically had good grades, you didn't have to study too much? Let's see. Let's see. You did good. You did good. Let me see your hand. I want to see you. I want to see you. Okay. Awesome. We don't really like y'all because we are jealous of you. Uh, because, uh, really, um, it, that's aggravating. <laughs> I mean, you're trying to study, and, uh, the, you know, the person in the class, that they just got it. They got it. They, uh, they, the teacher says it once, they got it, and, and they don't really have to study. Either that or the people that pretend like they don't study but really do study and do really well, you're probably those people. I didn't even look at it, but you study for four hours, and... Uh, <laughs> You're just trying to make us feel bad, you know, but in school, in school, to be honest with you, I did not make it through high school and pass all the classes in college uh, just because I got it easy. I think it really, uh, it, it really happened because of my people skills, because I would go to people and I'd make them feel sorry for me. <laughs> I would go to the person that was smart. And they just got it, and I'd be like, I don't get it. See, the, the, the people you got to find, the people you got to find are not just the smart ones, but the smart ones that are compassionate. You know what I mean? The, not just smart ones. Those people that were like, do your homework yourself. I'm not going to, I'd be like, all right, I'm not talking to you for the rest of the semester. Who's the person that feels sorry for me? I'm going to go talk to them. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, and they'll, they'll explain it to me and uh, help, help me out. And... Uh, it is very uh, clear that, that smart people in class, they, uh, they understand when the teacher is really trying to get a point across. See, when a teacher says something twice, you realize that thing's going to be on the test. When a teacher says something twice, you're looking around and all the smart people are writing it down. They're highlighting it, and people like me are like, what? <laughs> so when... when uh, when you're like, how did you know to study that? They would be like, she said it like three times, you know. And they go back and, and they study it and review it and make sure that they know all the material. And, uh, and that's how they, uh, they do well. And really in our life, you know, Jesus sometimes, he is trying to get our attention with some things. He is trying to teach us some things. And sometimes he will allow us to go through some things, not just once, but twice or three times, and to make sure that we get it. And this was a situation that he was trying to, Jesus was trying to teach his disciples something. And he's trying to teach us something. Because we see this story in all the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We see this story over and over again. And Jesus is trying to tell us something. He's trying to teach us something, right? He's trying to get us to grab onto what he's trying to say so that we can actually operate in faith. And so a lot of times in our life, we can go through things or we can start out and we're excited. How many of you know that, that when you go to achieve something, it is fun when you just get the idea. But when you, go in, when you get into it, sometimes there's challenges, Sometimes there's challenges, there's things that will test you, and God teaches us some things in our challenges because he wants to cause us to have faith. He wants us to be people of great faith. He doesn't want us just to be religious. 
He doesn't want us just to pretend like we have faith, but we actually enter into faith and we trust him. How many of you want to enter into great faith this year? And so really, you know, in, in our lives, we, we have to understand that if we're listening and Jesus is telling us something, we, we have to listen and then obey. That's why he said, those that listen to my command, commands and obey them, it's like building their house on a rock. When the winds come and the storm comes, you're going to be strong. See, people are not amazed by you because you're just a Christian and you have it all together. People are amazed by you because when you go through a storm, you react differently because you know who's with you. And the respect of people aren't like, you know, you're just so holier than thou and everything, nothing bad happens to you. It is because when things are thrown at you, you begin to overcome. As a matter of fact, you have learned that when things are thrown at you, you know that God is trying to teach you and you actually get excited because you know what it is on the other side. On the other side, you're better. On the other side, you're stronger. On the other side, you believe more. On the other side, you've got more anointing. On the other side, you have a breakthrough. On the other side, you're able to help other people out. On the other side, there's joy. On the other side, there's peace. And see, you are able to keep peace and joy all the way through it because you are serving a God that created everything. He created everything. I wonder what that moment was like when they realized that God that created these waves, I'm in the boat with him. I'm in the boat with Jesus. The one that said a word and created the sun. Have you noticed that you can rely on the sun? It's there all the time. He spoke one word, and it was literally the word that he spoke. Let there be light. It is his word that is keeping the sun bright, and you can rely on the sun. You can rely on his word. You can rely on what he says. You can take it to the bank. Have you ever taken a check to the bank and you, were, you didn't know if it was really going to be that good? <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like, I'm not sure if this person is just writing me a check or actually has the money. You ever been like that? I'm going to go to the bank and I hope it cashes. I hope I can get money. Out. Listen, if God said it, he's got his name on it. It's signed by the blood of Jesus. You can take his word to the bank. You can get a return on what God says. If he said it, you should believe it, stand on it. And see, what God is trying to teach us is not to just review his word, but to study his word. Not to just glance at his word, but to focus on his word. Not to just kind of randomly think about it or on Sundays review it, but to meditate on it. Because when we listen to his word, we become strong. When we stand on his promises, we become strong. How many of you know that all the drama that you go through about worrying, aren't you, aren't you kind of tired of going through all the drama of worrying? And instead of going through all the drama, you never, after you get on the other side, thought, you know what, I should have been a little more dramatic. I should have been a little bit more emotional. No, listen, you are with the creator of the universe, and you are able to stand on his word. Things shift when you're, when you're around. Things change when you're around because you're connected to the one that created this whole thing. And so for us, 
we have to say, where's our faith? Are we really believing? You know, there was a centurion soldier. The Bible says that Jesus was amazed by this guy's faith because he said, listen, you, I have a, he sent some of his uh, soldiers out. He had a sick uh, helper and he needed Jesus to heal him. And Jesus said, well, I'm coming. And he said, listen, you don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy for you to come. You just say the word. You say the word. He said, I'm a man under authority, and I get when I say a word that people go and they do things because I have authority. And he says, if you say the word, Jesus, I understand that I don't even have to see it. I don't have to be there. I don't need any proof or any sign. I I, I don't have to believe when I see it. I know if you said it, I believe it. There's something that that he said that Jesus told him that stuck out to me this week, and it's in Matthew 8, 13. It says, if you said it, it will happen. Then Jesus turned to the captain and said, go, what you believed could happen has happened. What you believed could happen has happened. And I have to ask myself, what if everything that you really believed happen? What if everything you really believe, you knew it was going to happen? I think you would adjust your thoughts because sometimes our thoughts aren't always in faith. Sometimes our thoughts can be in fear. It can be in discouragement. But if you knew that your thoughts would actually cause things to happen, would you begin to think a little differently? If you had a fear about this and you knew because you're thinking fear that it's going to happen and you really believed it, would you change and just begin to think the right thing? And a lot of times uh, in our life, God is challenging us and he's saying, if you believe it, you can have it. This will challenge your thoughts of of fear because fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of courage. Fear will cause you to shrink back. Fear will cause you to be anxious. Fear will cause you to have no joy. Fear will cause you to be in a place where you are frustrated. You're frustrated with everybody. Things are tense. You know, drama follows fear. How many of you want to be drama free? Can I be drama free, please? You know, you're drama free when you're around people of faith. People of faith, they just believe. If he said it, he's going to do it. Isn't it, isn't it, um, Isn't it amazing that Jesus gave you his word and he says, now use my word and if you believe it, it's going to happen. But do we do do that? We want to believe that. We want to say, but God is saying, are you listening? Are you listening? Because our faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. See, when we read the word of God, when we read the word of God, We should be listening. Am I right? We should be declaring and thinking about it. I've heard somebody say, when you read the word of God, read it with all your senses. You know, when you're not hearing God's voice, you start to get weird. You know, a lot of Christians, instead of hearing God's voice, they'll just be like super spiritual or even, you know, they're, they're checking every, they're checking a sign. They're looking at a, a fortune cookie, like, oh, God must be saying this. They, they see a number on the door. They thought about the number earlier, and, oh, God must be speaking. And, and God can use circumstances, but the mo- most of the time, God will speak to you in a still, small voice. 
See, people don't hear God's voice. They want to take every dream and spiritualize it. They want to take everything and be super woo-woo. The only problem is when you're not hearing God's voice, you're not having the nature of God. Because you have to receive what he says to really be able to walk it out. And storms are going to come, and you have to know, are you being shaken? Are you being steadfast? How many of you want to be steadfast? And I believe that God is trying to teach us something in this, uh, in this story. Because he wants us to learn some lessons. I believe faith it comes from lessons. And I want to give you three quick lessons today of faith. Three quick lessons. See, the first one is this. You have to remember, you have to remember who you're connected to. If they really believed they were connected to the creator of the universe, they wouldn't be freaking out. See, I, I had to ask myself, why did Jesus, like, rebuke them? Because it was something I would do. I mean, it was something I would say, God, save us. Jesus, save us. I would think he would be like, well done, my good and faithful servant. You called on me, and so now I'm going to reward you. I'm going to save you. But he rebuked them. I thought when we went through trouble, we'd go to God and say, God, save us. Help us. Right? You, you do something, God. And God's like, no, that's not, that's not how I want you to go about this thing. See, I, I, I kind of felt sorry for the disciples because they thought they were going to drown. But he wanted them to know that I don't want you to come to me in fear. I want you to come to me in faith. I want you to come to me in faith. It's not that you cried out to me. It's, it's that you cried out to me in fear and intimidation. And we can go to God in any way, shape, or form. We can go to him. But God wants us to be in his presence and get full of faith. He wants us to know, listen, things might not be going the way I want them to go, but I'm connected to Jesus. Do you really believe that you're connected to Jesus? Because if you're in a storm and you're connected to Jesus, he's in your boat, you have nothing to fear. And when you give your life to God, the Bible says that your spirit is connected to him, that you're one. And if you don't believe it, it's something that we have to focus on. God is with you, man. He's with you. I love this scripture. This scripture is so good. Psalms 27, 1 through 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from every danger. So why should I tremble when evil people come to devour me? When my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. I will remain confident. You know what? Confidence is a lot different than arrogance. Confidence are those, those that are confident, they're confident in God, and you see a humility in it. Arrogance thinks you're way too good for yourself. You know, God says that he hates, he hates, he detests an arrogant look. Have you ever found yourself arrogant? When you think that you can do things outside of God's grace and you become the judge of the world, that's arrogance. When every time somebody's around you, you know, you have to say negative things, I'm guilty. Listen, this is the thing. This is the thing. When you talk about somebody, it makes you feel good. Am I right about it? You're on that fast, you eat that cheesecake. Why do you want the cheesecake? Because it makes you feel good. 
See, sin makes you feel good. Sin can make you feel good, and you can lean to that, and it makes you feel good. But those that are full of faith, those that are focused in faith and on God's word, they don't allow those negative words in their heart. How many of you want to get rid of every negative word? I don't want negative words in my heart. I don't want negative words about people. I want to be confident in God. I want to be confident in who he is. I want to be confident in what he has he said about me. I don't want to be confident and arrogant and try to do things in my own strength. How many of you want to be confident in Jesus? Listen, the Bible says that his promises are your armor and your protection. When you begin to know his promises, and if God feels far away, you begin to declare the word of God, you begin to feel strong. I am not strong in my own might and own own power, but when you're connected to Jesus, there's nothing to be afraid of. When you're connected to him, when Jesus is in your boat, you got to know, i got to focus on him. I know that the winds are, are, are horrible. I know that the waves are horrible, but i got Jesus sitting by me. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting in heaven right now on the right hand of the Father, and his enemies are his footstool. And the Bible says that we're connected to him. We're connected to him, that we're one with him. Come on, we have to begin to see in what is reality with our spirit reality is, even if you feel it or not, you're one with God. And when you focus on him, you begin to get life and you begin to get full of faith because it's his word. When, when we look at his word, we're looking at Jesus and we're focused on Jesus. God gives us faith. How many of you know he's the author and finisher of our faith? He wrote the book. He knows the end of the story and you have the victory. Amen. He knows the end of the story. He's what he knows. Listen, if God told you to go, get in the boat and go on the other side, you got to know if he said it, he's going to see to it. If he said it, he's going to see to it. Jesus was the one that told him to go to the other side. A storm came. Jesus, why would you tell disciples go to the other side when you know a storm's coming? You know all things. But he's trying to teach us if he said it and he put you in it, he's going to see to it. See, a lot of times, this is when we become unfaithful. In the middle of the storm, we think, maybe God, maybe God didn't speak to us. You know how we know the will of God? How do we know the will of God? Wouldn't you like to know the will of God and be in it so you don't have anything to worry about? This is something I fear. I don't want to be outside the will of God. Those, that's arrogance. To think that you can live your own life outside of the will of God and things are going to be okay. I'm, I fear I fear living outside of the will of God. You know, there is a healthy fear or honor. The Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's not that you're scared of God. You honor God and you understand that I have to know his will. I have to know what he's saying. How do we know his will? The Bible says that to not be conformed to the world, the things of the world, your emotions, your will, what you think, because it really doesn't matter what we think, to not be conformed to the world, but transform, say transform, by the renewing of our mind. What are some things in your mind that need to be renewed? What in your mind doesn't line up to Jesus? Jesus wouldn't do it. Jesus wouldn't think it. Jesus wouldn't approve of it. We have to realize that we have to renew our mind. Why? Because it says when we renew our mind, we will know the perfect will of God. Isn't that awesome? We will know the perfect will 
of God. And when you're in the perfect will of God, you have no worries. If God said it, he's going to see to it. If God told you that was your wife, then he's going to see to it that you're going to get through this problem. If God told you to go to that job, he's going to see to it. And you know the great thing about a good father is he will gently get you out of things that he doesn't want you in. But the longer you try to hold on to your thing, the, the harder it's going to be. How many of you just want to yield and say, whatever God wants, whatever God wants. You know, we got a little puppy, and the little puppy is, uh, I don't know, a month old, couple, I don't know, I don't know anything about puppies. It, it's, it's a little baby. And, uh, and, and, and really, I want to teach the, the puppy, I, I want to give it food, I want it to have fun. But it's funny because when we go into his room and we try to get him out, he gets uh, possessive. He gets possessive. He starts barking at it. He's like, this is my cage. Don't try to get me out. But if he only knew I, was, I had doggy treats for him outside, then he would want to get out. But it is tendency, it is nature to say, no, even if it's not God, I want to keep it. And God's saying, you're going to have a lot more, more grace when you just listen to me. So what do we have to do to the dog? We have to grab him under the arms and, you know, he's, his butt is scooting out of the, <laughs> out of the room. And, but he realized once he gets out and does what the master asked him to do, he's loving it. His tail's wagging. He's having fun. He's jumping all over the place. It's like that with the will of God. Sometimes you have to just yield to the will of God. Do you know the will of God for your life? If you don't, then begin to meditate on his word. The Bible says to meditate on his word day and night, not just every once in a while. Meditate on his word day and night, and then God will begin to speak to you. You will begin to hear a still, small voice, and you'll have great courage. How many of you know that those that have great courage will see great miracles? Those that have great faith, they will see great miracles. I want to see miracles. The Bible says... And Mark 16, 16, that those that believe signs and wonders are going to follow. If signs or wonders are not following me, it's not God's problem. It's my problem. I want to I see signs and wonders follow, not because I don't have faith. I have, I have faith. It's not because I got to see a sign to believe. No, I believe them. And if what you say is true, then you're not the problem. I need to change. God wants, God wants you to recognize the small victories in your life. You might not see it as a miracle, but God did it. And that's how God does. He says, listen, if you begin to see the cloud the size of a man's hand, what is that talking about? It's when Elijah was praying for rain, and he saw one little speck, and he said, that speck is going to bring rain to cover the whole land. Are you looking at the little things? Are you critical of the little things that God is doing or saying, or do you hold on to the little things and say it's coming? God wants you to hold on to the things, the little things in your life, and recognize that it's a miracle. See, because ultimately, it's good that you receive the miracle, but God wants you to use that miracle to glorify him. That's why when there was a crippled man, Jesus walked up to the crippled man and said, get up. And he said, take your mat and walk. Why did he say take his mat? Why did he say pick up your mat and walk? Because that mat represents a testimony. That mat represents, I used to have to lay on this thing for years, but God touched me and look at the mat. I don't have to use the mat anymore. God wants to do miracles in your life, but he wants you to pick up your mat and begin to testify. God wants you to see the small things that he's done in your life and testify, and he will prepare you for the big miracle. Come on, God's working in our life all over. But he wants us to recognize him. He wants us to see him even in the storm. 
Even in the wind, even in the waves, he wants us to see him. And he wants us to lay hold of him. Because he wants us to be children of faith. Noah, I realized one night that I asked him to get something outside and <laughs> he, was, he was really timid to not go get it because it was dark outside. We didn't have any lights. And I would see him like darting back to the, <laughs> to the house. And I'd be like, man, can you just go get the thing I'm asking? He was like, no, it's dark out there. And I'm like, well, it's okay. Nothing's out there. He, and he's like, I'm not going out there. I said, go out there. There's nothing there. And I'm right here. I, I, I'm, I'm, you're good. And he's like, I can't do it. And I said, all right, I'm going to go walk out there with you. So we go walk out there. It's in the pitch black. And, uh, and, and I'm like, see, nothing's, nothing's wrong. I'm here with you. Nothing's going to happen. You're fine. So we get back out. I say, no, no, go back in the, go back in the, the, where we just came from. You're fine. I'm right here with you. And he starts tiptoeing. And he finally gets in the dark. And I say, now, Noah, I just want you to dance. He's like, what? Go ahead and dance. He's like, what do you mean? I said, dance, because you really need to, you're still scared. You're in the dark and you're still scared. You need to go ahead and dance. You need to go ahead and dance. And you know what? He started dancing. He started laughing. He overcame his fear. He was able to do what his father was asking him to do because he realized he's right there. I can dance in the middle of darkness. I can dance in the middle of things that go wrong because I've got my dad right there watching me. He's right there with me. And the first point, if you got you got to know, he's in the boat with you. He's right there with you. And when you begin to get that, you will begin to see discouragement begin to dissipate off of your life. Come on. A lot of times we're not doing what God asks us to do because of fear. Yeah, but God, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? How, how are they going to feel? How many of you know that we don't have to carry or worry or fear any person? The Bible says, Jesus said, don't, carry about, don't care about a man that, that, that maybe they can hurt your body. But care about more the person that takes care of your soul. When you know that you're connected with the creator of the universe, you don't have to care about what people think. You don't have to care about how you, listen, you shouldn't even identify with the darkness that you're in. You are, you are the light of the world. Just because you might be in a financial bond, just because you might be in a, a situation in your marriage, that is not who you are. God says, I want you to begin to dance in the middle of your problem. I'm going to begin to give you, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to wrap you in praise instead of despair. I'm going to cause you your beauty. I'm going to cause ashes turn into beauty. That's what God does. And if you're in a, a, a desperate situation today, I want you to know God wants you to dance in that situation. You wonder why people dance around shouting? Because they believe that God's with them. And even though they might feel fear, they're stepping out and they're believing. And guess what? When you begin to step out, you'll realize he was with me all along. The second thing is this. Remember your value. Remember your value. See, Peter thought he was going to drown. He thought he was going to die. You know, Jesus even said, he said, listen, you're worrying about all this stuff. He says, I know when every sparrow falls to the ground. Isn't that amazing? God knows when every, anything dies or is, uh, is born, he knows about it. And he says, aren't you so much more valuable than those birds? He says, if you know that you are so much valuable, why are you afraid? See, when you know your value, fear leaves you. Because 
you might wonder if, you know, God sees you a certain way he does because his word says it. See, we live in insecurity so much because we're listening to our fear and our emotions. And God is saying, get rid of your fear and emotions and begin to look at my word. See, you, you're anointed for a certain purpose. God says that you are called. You're anointed. You're identified with him. Do you believe it? Do you think it? Do you feel it? When, when somebody says something negative about you, do you accept it and say, yeah, you know what, maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe I am like this and that. Maybe I'm the problem. Or do you say, no, I'm throwing that down and I'm picking up God's word. I believe that I'm the head and not the tail. Above only, not beneath. I believe I'm called to preach the gospel and build his kingdom. I believe that I was born to win souls and make disciples. I believe that I was anointed for a job. I believe that I'm identified with Jesus. Do you feel sorry for yourself? Because just like going to God with fear, we shouldn't go to God and just be like, you know, see, this, is, this, is, this can be the pattern. We're always going to God. Because we're not standing on his word and we're saying, God, I feel this way. And, I have, and listen, you should be able to be real with God. You should be able to tell him how you feel. But God is trying to teach you something. Why are you afraid? Why do you feel that about yourself? He says, look at me. Look at my word. Stand on my word. Meditate on my word. I love this scripture in Isaiah 43. And if somebody can come up, we're going to close. 43, 1 through 3. It says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed. Listen to this. This is what God says. God says, I made you and I formed you, so have no fear because I've ransomed you. You Listen, you would only ransom something of value. He paid for something of value. He doesn't see anybody better than you. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you haven't had as many opportunities. But God sees your value just as much as anybody on the earth. God values you. Do you believe that God values you? The Bible says that his thoughts about you, about you specifically, that you can't count them. If you try to count every grain of sand, it wouldn't equal the thoughts that God has for you. That's a lot of, that's a lot of sayings. That's a lot of grains. He, he, you are the apple of his eye, and there's nothing to worry about when you, know, when you know your value. See, this is why kids have a hard time swimming. You know, they're scared until they know my parents are here. I'm going to get in this water, and they're going to hold me up. They're not going to let me drown. They're standing right here, and they're going to hold me up. They might let my face get in the water. See, that's how we learn to swim. That's how kids learn to swim is because they have to begin to trust, and they have to begin to say, you know what? They love me. I'm valued by them. They're not going to let anything bad happen to you. And once they begin to gain that trust, man, you got to watch out because they'll be jumping off in the pool and, you know, because they just believe, hey, my dad's got me. My mom's got me because they value me. Come on, you're valued. And God's going to get you through any situation that you're in because you are worth more than we can ever fathom to God. If you were the only person on the face of the earth, Jesus would lay his life down for you. 
If you don't feel valued in your workplace, if you don't feel valued at school, if you don't feel valued with friends, don't let it bother you because you're valued with the one that makes all the difference in the world. You're valued by the king. You, got, you have the hookup. You have the connection to the king. Esther knew she had a connection with the king. And when she touched the king, she understood, she understood that I have authority, which brings me to my next point. Remember your authority. Remember your authority. See, he asked Peter, who do you think I am? He said, you're the, you're the son of God. He said, flesh and blood didn't tell you that. He said, but my father, which is in heaven. And he began to say, he began to say, now, Peter, I want you to know who you are. Upon this rock, I will build my church. I want you to know that I'm going to change your word, your, your name. Your name meant Simon, blowing in the wind. I want to speak to you, and I want you to know that you're a rock. See, first Peter had to recognize that is the Savior of the world that's with me right now. I'm connected to Jesus. Then he had to realize, wait a second. I'm valued by him. I'm valued by Jesus. He, he sees me in a certain way. See, God doesn't see you the way that other people see you. People like to mark people because it makes them feel better. Don't let the marks of people hinder you. Even if it's your parents, even if it's friends, because people want to mark people. But let the word of God mark you. And the word of God for you today is that you're a child, you're a son, you're a daughter. Don't let people bring you down and try to, try to judge you and mark you. Don't listen to what they have to say. Listen to what he says. You are living for the approval of one. You are living for the approval of one. Listen, if I live for the approval of people, I would be a miserable person. Because the truth is, not everybody's going to like you. And Jesus warns you about it. Quit trying to be liked all the time. God says that you're my son. You're my daughter. Not only that, but I give you authority. One time there was a, a prominent pastor. Our pastor's pastor, Pastor Caesar, came down. And, uh, I mean, he has churches on every continent and you know, 500,000 people in his church, no big deal. And he, uh, he came here and he was, he was planning on speaking at a church. And uh, anyway, something came up and he couldn't speak. And so they said, hey, can you go speak instead? And I was thinking, me? They said, yeah, I need you to go speak for Pastor Caesar. And I was like, I feel ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. And they're like, no, you need to go. You need to go. God was teaching me something. When I got there, when I got there, people were like, I didn't know Pastor Caesar was so young. He's such a young guy. I thought he was like a Spanish-looking guy. This looks like a gringo. Pastor C but you know what was amazing? That I, got, I got the same treatment that Pastor Caesar got. They put me in the, a fine hotel. Now, I came in the room. People were asking me questions and what I should do, and I, I was just telling them. 
I wasn't going to tell them I wasn't Pastor Steve. I'll let the pastor do that. But they were coming up and, like, asking me for prayer and stuff like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they thought, they thought that I was Pastor Caesar. But God was teaching me something. See, when you know that you're a child of God, you begin to have the same authority that Jesus has. And he'll put you in a position where you feel like you're not qualified for. He'll put you and ask you to do things where you don't feel qualified. But God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And you might not feel like you're ready, but see, when you get and you begin to know who you are in God, when you say it, when you say it, it's as though Jesus is speaking through you. But you have to believe it. You have to believe it. The wind, the waves have to stop when you declare it. This is what he was teaching Peter. He said, listen, before, before, I wanted you to know that I control everything. Now, I want you to use my authority and walk on water. If it's with my word, if you follow my word, you're going to be able to do the supernatural. You can do what I do. This is what he's teaching Peter. He's saying, listen, you've got the authority that I have. That's why he told Peter, he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bond on earth is bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven because I give you the same authority that I have. You can't lose when you begin to believe that I'm connected with Jesus. He's given me his authority. And when things are not panning out, I begin to declare. And all of heaven has to listen because I'm not an ordinary person. I'm connected to Jesus. He has called me by my name. He is, has a plan for me. And I'm going to begin to declare. And if I'm serving the king of kings that created the universe, when I speak, things happen. When I speak, heaven, heaven begins to move. God wants us to begin to believe what would happen if all of us today said this week, I'm going to really believe it and I'm really going to declare it. See, you can take it to the bank. When you declare something in faith, you can take it to the bank because it's his word. Come on, if we really believed it, how would we pray? If we really believed it, how would we wake up and pray? God is saying, hey, where's your faith? Where's your faith?